have noticed, we are celebrating the power of music through the worship service. Today we are celebrating the power of music in the life of the Christian. It's the power of music to transform and to help you get through those most difficult times in your Christian experience. I think for many of us, we underestimate how powerful music can be to help you on your spiritual journey. But today we're focusing on that. And I want to pay tribute to those who are in the music department of our church, those who play the instruments, those who sing the praise piece, those who lead our brother Rolando, who creates his own song as he did today. These ministers in our church are there to help us on our spiritual journey. And so today, as we focus on the power of song, the power of music, my hope is that you will understand that with a little bit more intentionality on our part, music can also help you to make it to the kingdom. With a little bit more intentionality on your part, along with the study of the Word of God, along with reaching out to others, along with fellowship, music can also help you to make it on your way to the kingdom. And so today, the, the message then titled, You Shall Have a Song. Because you must. You shall have a song. Can we bow our heads as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the way you have ministered to us from morning until now. As we now come to the last part of this main service, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will continue to fellowship with us, and the Holy Angels will tabernacle with us, and may they be with us as we go through this message, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them all be acceptable in thy sight, for you are always our strength and our redeemer. Amen. William Booth, the Methodist preacher and founder of the Salvation Army, said that music is for the soul what wind is for the ship, blowing her onward in the direction in which she is steered. Martin Luther said, music must be hateful and intolerable to the devil. There is no art like music next to theology. It is the only art next to the study of the Word of God that can calm the agitations of the soul. The devil flees, he says, from the sound of music as he does from worship and praise. That is why, he says, the Bible is filled with psalms and hymns which give praise to God. That is why when we gather around the throne of heaven, we will sing His glory. Music is the perfect way to express our love and our devotion to God. It is the most magnificent gift that God has given us. So today we will celebrate this gift. Music, Chris Bob Marley says, when music hits you, feel no pain. I think what Bob Marley was hinting at there was music has this ability to transcend even the nervous system and connect to the heart and mind. Ellen White also said, music is one of God's greatest gifts to man. And it's one of, it's one of the most important elements for our spiritual program. It is the avenue through which God communicates with us. It's one of the most effective means of impressing the heart with spiritual truth. The book Education, page 168. She says, dealing as it does with matters of eternal consequence, it is essential that music's tremendous power is kept clearly in our minds. It has the power to subdue, rude, and all uncultivated natures. 
He says it, it has the power to quicken thoughts and to awaken sympathy, to promote harmony and action, and to banish the gloom and the foreboding that destroys or could destroy the soul. Education, page 167-68. Music in the church, therefore, must bring glory to God and assist us in our worship experience. Music must be noble and uplift and purify Christian thought. Music must influence the Christian in his or her development as he comes closer and closer to the character which Christ wants to develop in him. So what kind of music do you have on your playlist? If I should take out your phone, if I should ask you to allow me access to CDs in your car or to the music system in your home, what kind of music do you have on your playlist? When you pop those earphones in on your way to work and back or going to the gym, what kind of music do you have on your playlist? Today, I say to you, based on what we know about the power of music, that yes, you need to read your Bible every day, yes, you must pray every day, and even between times during the day. But when you pop your earphones on, and when you sit in your car, or when you drive, or when you're in your home, let the music there bring glory to God. It's as simple as that. As a young boy, I, I learned the power of music when I was running races. You know, I would, I would, I would play it, I would re- rehearse in my mind one of those songs from church, and it would make me run fast. There are times when I know, though, that you lose sight of how powerful music can be. I know it happens to us when music just becomes a part of the service. It's the nice song that complements the sermon, or it's a song that you think to get the audience or the congregation moving. You lose sight of how powerful music can be. It loses its intentionality in our worship and in our lives. It becomes that, that, that background music that makes you feel okay. But it's not intentionally designed keep you on the pathway to heaven. So I know sometimes we can lose sight of, of what music can do, of the strength it brings to our, our life journey. The feelings sometimes of this present life are adverse to praise. It happens sometimes we just don't feel like singing or playing a song. This is the experience of some by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down. Yeah. We wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they, they carried us away captive, required of us a song. They wasted us and required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. Verse 4 says, But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Sometimes we don't feel like singing any song. This was the experience of these exiles. God's hand was heavy upon them. It's as if God had neglected them or left them. The feeling that they had was so great that they, the Bible says they hung their harps on the willows. And when those around them said, Sing us a song, we know you can sing, sing us a song, they said, How? Can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The experience of the children of Israel 
is the experience of people who are immigrants in a strange country, of children separated from their parents, even now in the United States, people who are lost in the system, people who are being treated like second-class citizens. That was their experience in Babylon when they sat by that river. They could only think back about the good times that they've had and the, the, the pain and the, the sorrow that overwhelmed their hearts stole their song. The sad words became the resolution of their hearts. The surrender. They surrendered themselves to the circumstances that was around them. The exiles in Babylon resigned themselves to the situation that God had left them, they said. But they forgot that God in Jeremiah and through Ezekiel had been saying to them the promise that this will not last forever. And that one day you shall have a song. They forgot that God had said 70 years you will have even though you are in a strange, that even though the prevailing circumstances around you seem as if it's gone, you shall have a song. How shall we sing a song when life is beating us down? How do you sing when the odds are stuck against you at the workplace or in your family? How do you sing when there's sadness and there's tears in your home? How do you sing when you are distressed and discouraged? Or in the valley of the shadow of death? How do you sing when you're in your darkest hour? How do you sing when adversity strikes? How do you sing when you're in trouble or in great tribulation? How do you sing? But even in these circumstances, the Bible says, you shall have a song. You must have a song. In the context of these psalms, these, 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 these children of Israel are sitting down by the rivers of Babylon, and, and they're overwhelmed by their situation. And they, they lost, they lost, they lost the thought about what it means to be in connection with Jesus. They forgot all about it. And so they couldn't even find the words to sing a song. They hung their harp on the willow. They hung their harp on the willow. The very instrument that was supposed to be used to represent praise and to, to, to let people know about the goodness of God, they hung their harp on the willow. They could not sing. My brothers and sisters, don't let life or any circumstances cause you to hang your harp on life's willow. Don't hang your harp on life's willow. My brothers and my sisters, you're going to have a choice to make. When the devil sends someone whispering to you to say, my brother, my sister, I dare you to sing to God now. When you're being beaten left, right, I said, I dare you to sing now. You have a choice. Are you going to hang your harp on life's willows and say, my life is a mess, I cannot sing? Or are you going to say, in spite of my circumstances, praise God from whom all blessings flow? What decisions are you going to make? If you look, in the, 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 if you look at the verse, in, in verse 1 we read for scripture reading, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And verse 137 says, By the rivers of Babylon. And then Psalm 138 says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. The children of Israel in verse 37 forgot that they were to give God praise irrespective of their circumstances. So we have a choice today to make. Will we praise God with our whole heart? You know, the Bible gives us some good examples of when we should always keep a song in our hearts. I'll give us two examples today. The first
1, I think everybody knows the story of Paul and Silas. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16 that Paul and Silas you know, went to pray in the temple one day, and this girl was following after them, and, and she was prophesying, but she was prophesying by the devil. And, and one time when they were going, they just got so mad, they said, in the name of Jesus, we get out of her. And verse, we pick up the story in Acts chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, the crowd, after they drove the demon out of this girl, it says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the, the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And verse 23 says, and they had been severely beaten. They were thrown in prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received those orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. At midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, I want you to imagine Paul and Silas with the stripes, their backs torn up with those rods that were beaten on, sitting in the spot, their feet down, maybe their hands were also down, in the inner cell, in dark night. The Bible says at midnight. I can imagine Paul reaching out and saying, Silas, you're weak. Silas says, Yes, Paul, I'm up. How is your back? It's paining me, man. Paul says, Let's pray. Close your eyes and they say, Oh God, pray that for us. And then Silas says, Let's sing a song. And they start my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But holy lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. So on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And as Silas finishes that when I hear Paul picks up the tune and says, Because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know who holds the future. And life is worth a living just because he lives. And they didn't stop there. I can imagine them seeing when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. When the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the same of earth shall gather over on the other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And I hear them singing, and the Bible says, when they started singing, suddenly, verse 26, there was a violent earthquake. How could God remain silent when his two children were bringing out the songs of praise in honoration of his name? The Bible says, suddenly, a violent earthquake took the foundations of that of that prison, and the, 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 the chains that held them just fell off. The Bible says when the guards saw what happened and the doors opened, he went to kill himself, and then they said, don't harm yourself, my friend, we're all here. And the guard then said, well, what shall I do to be saved? You know what he heard? What changed his mind? All those songs that they were singing ministered to him so powerfully that he never preached a sermon to him. All they did was to sing their song. 
their mind from their current reality and putting their mind to a place where one day I will have shoes, you will have shoes, all God's children are going to have walk in the kingdom of heaven. That's what the, the, the legal spirituals are, are aware of things that the slaves understood about how to move us from the current, you know, deep river. Another one. Deep river. Can imagine them wading through the water and them going for the deep river. My home is over in Jordan. I want to cross over into that place. And they would think, and they said, nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody but my Jesus. Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. Oh Lord, sometimes I'm almost to the ground, but nobody knows the trouble I see. And it is too low, sweet, hurry on. Endangering his health. 
anxious and desperate because of his two financial losses through the depression. He felt so low. He felt he had nothing to live for. Eventually, his friends and family stunned him, and he checked himself into an attack just last evening. He checked into the Battle Creek Sanitarium at the Adventist Hospital, 1930. In that hospital, one night he grew so demoralized that he expected to die before morning. And then he heard a singing coming from the hospital chapel. The words of the song were, Be not dismayed, but here be kind. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. He says, entering the chapel, he listened to that song, the scripture reading and the prayer. And then he says, something, something surprising happened. Something happened suddenly. I can't explain it. I call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of a dark dungeon. And all my worries, all the worries that around me, I was, I was expunged from it. He says, he described these moments as the most dramatic and glorious 20 minutes of his life. He gave himself to God. And when he died in, at age 95, he left 1,660 department stores for J.C.P. What changed his life? God will take care of you. When nothing else works, my brothers and sisters, the praises of God set to music can lift you out of a spiritual malaise. That's why the Bible says it is good. So you shall have a song, because you must. You must have a song. As a child, I grew up singing this little song. Sing the clouds away. Life will turn today. If you sing and sing and sing, you'll sing that you don't know the song. Sing the clouds away. Life will turn today. If you sing and sing and sing, you sing the clouds away. Smile the clouds away. That's the only way. If you smile and sing and smile, you smile the clouds away. Pray the clouds away. Pray and pray. Life is going to No matter what they say, go sing and smile and pray. word of it is true. Sometimes when you're in a dark office, all you need to do is to sing the clouds away. And I feel that that's the song you know. Sing it. And watch and see if those clouds of circumstances or even people aren't just moved out of your way. What a miracle would be the people of God would just sing the clouds away. Even church, anywhere you are, so why should you be discouraged? Because you're happy, man. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he wants it. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he wants it. I want to end with what some call perhaps the greatest gospel song of all time. It was written in 1930, around 1930. 
the story of a young man called Thomas Darcy. He was 32 years old and a fairly new husband. He says, my wife, Nikki, and I were living in an apartment in Chicago, Southside. He says, one hot August afternoon, perhaps one like the one we're in now, I had to go to St. Louis. I was supposed to be the featured soloist at a large revival meeting. I didn't want to go, he said, because my wife was in the last month of her pregnancy, and so this was her first child. But a lot of people were expecting me. So I kissed Nikki goodbye, and I ran down the stairs and jumped into the car and went out on Route 66. He said, however, as I returned out of the city, I realized that I left something, and he went back, he had left his music case. And when he went back, he said he saw his wife sleeping also peacefully on the sofa chair. Something was saying to him, stay, and he just didn't, he brushed it off and went on his way. He said, the next night it was steaming hot in St. Louis. The crowds were calling him to sing over and over and over again. And when he finally sat down, a messenger boy ran up to him with a Western Union telegram. He said he ripped that envelope open, and in it were the words, simple, your wife just died. Because the people were happily singing and clapping all around me, but I could hardly keep from crying out. I rushed to a phone and called home, and I could hear on the other side all they were saying, Nessie's dead, Nessie's dead, Nessie's dead. Because when I got back, I learned that Nessie had given birth to a little boy. I swung between grief and joy, he said, but yet that night the baby also died. I buried Nikki and our little boy together in the same casket. Then I fell apart, he said. For days I was positive. I felt that God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore or write any more gospel songs. I wanted to go back to the dark world because I knew it so well. But then as I punched home in a dark apartment those first days, I thought back about what happened that day when Nikki died. What did I do to God? Was, was God trying to tell me something even on that day? I was lost in grief. But one Saturday afternoon, a friend took me to a neighborhood music school, he said. That late evening, the sun was blowing through the curtains, and as the heat was coming, I sat down at the piano, and my hands began to browse over the keys. Something happened. He said, I felt totally at peace. I felt as if I could reach out and touch God. I found myself playing a melody, one that I had never played or heard before. And then the words that came into my head, they just fell into place. And this was a song that he wrote. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. But through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. The second stanza is powerful. I'll read it for you. Says, "Keep my when the wind grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call." Hold my hand, let my fall. Take my hand, let it flow. 
I must be the last answer for you. He says, when the darkness appears and the night draws near and the day is past and gone, at the river's stand, guide my feet, hold my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand and lead me home. He says, the Lord gave me these words and the he heals my spirit. I learned that when we are in our deepest grief, when we seem farthest away from God, that's when God is closest. He says, I go on living for God, joyfully, until He comes, because He gave me that song. So, my brothers and sisters, we shall have a song, because you must. You must have one. Sometimes, our lives are adverse to praise. We feel as if I can't sing, I can't praise, I can't come to church, I can't worship, I can't do it. Like the exiles from Babylon, you feel like you want to hang your heart on those weeping willows. But I say to you in conclusion, refuse to listen to the devil. Don't hang your heart on those willows just yet. Sing in spite of your circumstances. Sing in spite of your situation. Because his eyes are on the sorrow, and I know he's watching you. Sing because somebody needs to hear your song. That's the story of J.C. Penny. Someone else may need to be encouraged by what you are singing in your home or on the way. Sing because singing sometimes drives those clouds away. Sing. Because sometimes that song, that music can transport you from where you are today and put your mind in a place that is better. That's the lesson of the slave. Sing! Because Martin Luther says it's the only art next to the study of God's theology that can calm sometimes the agitations of the soul. So why said the spirit is one of the most effective means of impressing the heart of the spiritual truth. So again, I ask you, What's on your playlist? But I plead with you, I beg with you, put something there that will elevate your soul and your mind to God. The children's story was perfect, was exactly what we needed to hear. And the AY law is right. Keep the morning watch. Do your honest part. Care for your body. Keep a level eye. Be courteous and obedient. Yes, walk soft in the sanctuary, including when we finish today. Walk soft and speak soft in the sanctuary. But then it says, keep a song in your heart that you go on God's temple. The second to last one, keep a song in your heart is the one I want to share with you today. So sing and keep singing. Play normal and keep playing. Rolando, those who write music, write and keep writing. But if you can't sing in church, sing at home. If you can't sing at home, sing in your bathroom. If you can't sing in your bathroom, sing in your closet. If you can't sing in your closet, home. If you can't home, just open up your mouth. Something will come out. But just know. It's all practice down here. It's all practice. The Bible tells us that 
in Revelation 15, verse 2 to 4, that I saw as it were a sea of, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over the image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having their hearts in their hands. They did not hang their hearts on the willows. They had their hearts in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses and the, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord, God Almighty, just and poor thy ways, thou King of saints. So who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou alone art holy. For all nations shall come and work before thee, and thy judgment shall be made manifest. May God help you today, my brothers and sisters, to keep a song in your heart. Whatever you do, whatever you go, whatever happens for the rest of this year, remember I said to you today, on the authority of God's words, Isaiah 30 and verse 29, you shall have a song.